Heading into this next year, it's really important to be thinking about what changes and shifts have happened with your audience because of the craziness that's happened in 2020. At Vanville, we've actually worked with the Farnsworth Group over the last couple of months to conduct some market research that we're gonna be sharing with you about what the data says about your audience, how they've changed their buyer habits, and what you can be doing about it from a marketing standpoint. This is gonna be an awesome episode where we share actual data with you that we've conducted on what you can be doing to be more effective in your marketing and sales heading into this next year. All right, let's get into the show. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. All right, everybody, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams, alongside my co-host, Beth Popnikolov. And today we have a really great episode lined up for you. We're going to be talking about data and shifts and things that we're seeing in the marketplace heading into this next year. Anyone who's listened to our podcast in the past knows that we are big fans of data, big fans of data. We have the man, the myth, the legend, (laughs) the head of data himself for all of building materials industry. We have Grant Farnsworth back with us to talk about a recent project that we were actually really excited to work on together. So we spent a lot of time thinking about the channel, audiences, what's impacting them. And obviously as 2021 is coming up and we're all hoping to breathe a sigh of relief and just leave 2020 in our dust, we're obviously thinking what is going to change and how do we prepare and set manufacturers up for success in this completely upside down world that will potentially stay upside down, maybe for a significant amount of time when it comes to selling building materials. So we partnered with the Farnsworth Group. We released a report. We just did a workshop on everything that a manufacturer would need to know if you want to successfully sell your building materials in this new normal. And Grant is here to talk to us about the takeaways from and his main themes that he saw come out of those. So Grant, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, well, thanks for having us. I think this is my my third time being a guest and I was told there was a free t-shirt or something of, of this matter. Yeah, t-shirts in Excellent. the mail, absolutely, Perfect. absolutely. Brilliant, yeah, really, really appreciate <laughs> being here. Um, we can have a punch card. Punch card, even better, brilliant. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're always excited to chat with you all. So for, for those that don't know, the Farnsworth Group is a custom market research firm that drives strategy through you know customized research and insights. Uh, we focus exclusively on building products, hardware, home improvement, lawn and garden industry. That's it. So this is our world. It has been our world for over 30 years. And Beth, as you mentioned, we're certainly seeing some changes in, in, in behaviors right now that are a little bit different than what we've seen in the last, you know, call it 10 years when we've been in a healthy market. A lot of of the manufacturer clients that we work with right now are digging deep as they can into customer behaviors across a variety of areas. They're really trying to understand what's happening with their brand, with their brand position, brand perception, et cetera, because there's so many nuances to this current market that I think are really causing consumers to, to adjust some behaviors. And the quicker manufacturers can get on board and understand that, the quicker they can make adjustments because Beth, we, we fully agree with you that this is the new norm. We aren't going to return back to the way things were two years ago, pre-pandemic. We've all just learned and adjusted way too much, way too quickly to think that this can all be forgotten in a matter of months, if and when we ever get a vaccine, right? Grant, I'm really excited to ask you some questions about this because for our listeners who weren't a part of the workshop, it was a two-hour workshop. Like we planned for 90 minutes and ended up going two hours. And I feel like we didn't even touch mm-hmm. on everything. And so we're going to 
attempt to try to give our listeners the high notes. And for those who, by the way, if you didn't attend that workshop and you want the data, you want the full report and access to the workshop, go to venvio.com slash 2021 and you can get access to that. But Grant, we're going to attempt to try to hit the high notes from the three different areas. But for our listeners, maybe you can just give us a quick high-low overview of your sample size, who you interviewed, and what were the big themes. And then let's jump into those themes. Yeah. So we spoke with, gosh, over 1,000 DIYers and about 775 professionals. So on the DIY side, we got a representation of Gen Y, X, and Boomers. It's always important to kind of look at you know generational trends and behaviors because they, they do act differently, someone coming into the housing market versus someone who's maybe been there for 30 or 40 years. And then on the trade side, we had a, a, a wide range of trades represented, a good representation across revenue size, but also representation across residential as well as commercial trades and architects and designers. So really covering what we would consider maybe three big areas of the pro world, which is residential, commercial, and then maybe the influencer category. So a lot to cover, Zach, as you mentioned, two hours wasn't enough. We could probably have talked for another two hours when we start really getting into the detail, into the weeds. But you know, certainly for today, we'd love to maybe keep this high level and look at some broader themes that we saw across brand channel and online. So if I can put you on the spot, Grant, what was your big takeaway? You know, if we look at, there's brand channel media, I want to dive into each of them. If we look at brand, what was the big takeaway from brand that you saw, you know, from a data standpoint, was there a metric? Or is there some sort of theme? You're like, man, this is, I think, really important for manufacturers to know. Yeah, I think the one thing that stood out for both DIY and pro was their level of satisfaction when trying a new brand. Right. So we know that availability is going to be a theme as we talk today, Zach and Beth. We, we've talked about it before. This availability and supply chain issue right now is causing a lot of shift almost in every aspect of our industry. And so I, I guess I wasn't surprised to see that you know, some, some brand shift has been happening. It was the degree to which that we saw all the respondents satisfied with the new brand that they tried for the first time compared to a, a brand that they've known, compared to a brand that they've used. And we didn't see really any category. That was excluded. We didn't see any trade group that wasn't expressing a similar sentiment on satisfaction. So I think that's either a really, really good opportunity, depending on on your your personality, or you're absolutely terrified, perhaps, if you're a share leader that has 80% of a market and it's all about defend, 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 this can be a, a terrifying time. How do you do that? knowing that you know your level of satisfaction may be equal or less than a new brand that's on the shelf today. Beth, who does that make you think of? Like when you hear that, if I can put you on the spot, like who does that make you think of or what opportunity do you see as a manufacturer that maybe they need to be thinking about from a marketing standpoint? I mean, it certainly makes me think about brands who have just been trying to get their foot in the door you're competing against the ubiquitous brand, the, you know, you're competing against the Kleenex in your product category. So maybe you're a window and door manufacturer, you're competing against Pella or Marvin, or you're a faucet manufacturer, you're competing against Delta and Kohler. And what's happened that I'm hearing from Grant is that shift, change, flexibility in a historically inflexible industry I'm hearing massive opportunity. And for the brand that has sat on 80% wallet share, 80% market share, I'm starting to feel the heat, which frankly is good. Like competition is good. 
because there's room, there's actually room for everyone to be successful. I'm really excited to see what happens as these smaller brands, these challenger brands get a little bit of fire under them that they've got, they're like, this is it guys. This is our year. People are used to change. We're going back like that builder who we've called on a hundred times and have been rejected a hundred times. I'm going for 101. Like this is our year. And then like at the same time, what are those things that the big brands need to do? Like if you want to hold your spot, you need to make no assumptions, take nothing for granted about what's coming for you in 2021 and like get your innovation engines running. I'm actually like really pumped to see how this goes. Yeah, I'm with you, Beth. I think it's going to be exciting. And I know we've talked about this in the past, but you know, there are things that brands can do if they can't be on the shelf right then and there. What, what are the tactics that are new for a lot of these brands to maintain their position, maintain their perception, maintain their, their loyalty, even though they may be pushed out two, three, four, five weeks? So I think these are circumstances that particularly a lot of the big brands, a lot of the share leaders maybe haven't been used to or haven't needed to worry about. Yeah. And Zach, I know you've, you've brought up some examples in the past about brands that have done a, a pretty good job knowing that they can't be on the shelf, they can't be available right away, even outside of our industry, that are starting to kind of set a framework and great case study for how to manage through this climate if you want to still maintain brand share, brand awareness, brand perception without physically being there right away. You know, what we're talking about here, and I think this is really important for any manufacturers listening, is if I'm kind of weeding through this, the, the general theme is that there's been a bit of a reset across the board in that the way that you've marketed and the position you've had in the past, it's almost like, well, that was nice then. Mm-hmm. There's a new now. And that means like, I don't care. Like if you talk to like lumber dealers, they're like, I don't care what you've done in the past. I need materials today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why people are trying new materials. Like it's not just pros and I mean pros or or just DIYers or homeowners. The new normal, as we'll call it, or the, or the reset is what I'm thinking of. It's about saying, hey, there's opportunity today. But regardless of where you are, or what your position, the reset is, hey, marketing, whatever we've done in the past, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It matters, but it really doesn't matter. Like we have to look at this today and go forward and say, okay, what is the market doing? Because there's been such a big shift so quickly. We have to figure out, well, how do we want to be positioned in the market right now? And then how are we taking advantage of those changes versus just going, oh, well, there's sales to be had. Like, no, it's actually been, it's a bit of a reset going. Whatever marketing happened before doesn't really matter. There's new marketing that has to be done today. You know, like that is the new narrative, right? Well, and and the data supports that, Zach. So when we looked at how they came across a new brand that they've tried for the first time, digital ads, digital awareness was huge. And I know that sounds almost intuitive because we've all been stuck in our homes now for darn near a year, right? So we've got more time to be online. But again, it's, it's, that, it's that reset of where are we allocating resources? How are we communicating, right? Knowing it's different vehicles. If people aren't going in the store as much as they were, particularly Gen Y, who is really driving the housing boom right now, if they're not going in store, and we've got data that says that half are buying you know, the materials online, half are going in store, that, that, it's a pretty big online group then how are you reaching those folks knowing you can't reiterate your brand message through point of purchase? Love it. Grant, what about channel? What's your, what's your big takeaway from channel? Channel, you know, we were kind of surprised to see. So, so again, similar story. So we, we anticipated shift happening because of particularly availability, right? So uh, there's not only, only availability issues, but there are also 
with the initial onset of the pandemic, a lot of specialty suppliers weren't open, right? They weren't deemed essential. And we're starting to see that happen again in some states, again in some markets right now, as we're having crazy spikes of COVID. So I think by default, we knew there's going to be some channel shift, right? We always see some typically as the pharmaceutical group tracks this kind of year in and year out, you know, we'll see 10, maybe 15% of contractors buying more or less from a supplier. Maybe they move a, ter- you know, a primary supplier to tertiary and, and, and vice versa. What we saw this year is over 30% of DIY, over 30% of pros have made some sort of channel shift just within the last six months. The majority of that shift is actually using fewer suppliers than pre-COVID. So that was something that was surprising to me. So the average number of suppliers used both by DIY and by pro has slightly declined during COVID than it was pre-COVID. So again, this talks about opportunity. If you're dependent upon a supplier, if you're dependent upon a distributor, you're dependent upon, particularly for the pro side of the world, if you're dependent upon distribution, where your customer is going in and talking to that store associate, and that's how you get your business. If you're dependent upon distribution, so your, your manufacturer rep can be there to talk with them and say, try this new product, try this new product. Well, what happens when they're no longer going to that store or they're not going quite as often? And they're relying either on other suppliers or other methods to get information. How vulnerable are you, not only as a, as, a, as a supplier, but certainly as a manufacturer? And so I think that was a big surprise for us is that the overall decrease of suppliers being used post-COVID amongst both DIY and contractors. And again, this isn't, this isn't just one subset of contractors. It's not just looking at, well, you know, boomers maybe went a little bit away from in-store. Now they're just kind of migrating online. This is across the board and it's across category. We tracked 20 different categories in the study. And we can look at each one individually to see that, that this is happening in mass. And it's something that we really, really need to understand as an industry. Manufacturers really need to dig into uh, when it comes to their specific category, their product, and their customer, because I think it has broad implications on, on how, you, how you go to market from a sales standpoint. So I, I know there's a lot of that happening right now. You know, Beth, I don't know if you've got any examples or Zach of brands that have made a successful almost transition or at least accelerated their exposure to, you know, commerce, whether they are direct or whether they're at least just providing that option and opportunity online, but it is still going through a traditional supplier. What are you seeing from the digital space in utilizing online means to provide end users the opportunity to kind of buy online rather than having to go in store or a traditional supplier? You know, I think there's a lot of examples of manufacturers who have gone, oh shoot, we need to be in e-commerce. And that's the easy, like, I think it's not an overreaction, but I think it's where it has to go. You know, I, I saw a stat recently that said that the e-commerce industry grew five years in three months. It's 10 absurd. years in some categories. Yeah. I mean, like mm. I get an, I get an email every day from somebody who's like, look at this crazy stuff about e-commerce. And like, I'm like, is anybody surprised? Yeah. Right. Of course. Of course. But I think the, the thing I look at is, well, why is e-commerce so important? It's because it's the ease of e-commerce and not everybody can do e-commerce. Like if you're in, let's say commercial construction. Like e-commerce may not make sense to you. I look at the things around that that are amplifying it, namely access to information and transparency. And I think that's critically important. Like it doesn't matter if you're a residential or commercial product or you're in the R&R space or new build, transparency on lead times, transparency Mm -hmm. on pricing and transparency about getting access to information like right now. Great point. Like that I think is what's super important that anybody can do because not everybody can do Grant your point. Like there's channel conflict. 
you could consider doing a white label brand or, you know, dipping your toe in there. And like, that's a whole other subject we could cover. But I look at things like, what could anybody do today? And, you know, I honestly, I think, you know, who's doing this well is Home Depot. Mm-hmm. Like Home Depot has been setting themselves up for three, four years. But like you go to Home Depot on their website, they've got chat, they've got email, they've got text, they've got a phone number you can call right away. They also set up for, you know, I can buy online, get shipped to my house. I can buy online, pick up in store. And I look at, I mean, even if you go outside of building products, like look at what's happening with Target, they can literally be on your app and go, you know what, this exact place in the store where that, where it is. And you as a manufacturer might go, well, I'm not, I can't do that. It's the point of convenience, access to information and having things the way that I want it. Like that's the real shift. And I think opportunity, it's not just e-commerce that I I really believe e-commerce is just a small portion of that, but it's really about who can get me what I want right now because I'm agitated about everything in my life. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's what, that's what the, the sentiment is. I think that's a great point. I think if we're talking about speed also, if you're thinking about guys, an e-commerce play, I have to build an e-commerce platform. I have to think about fulfillment. I have to do this and that. If your products are sold through a dealer or distributor, there is such a significant possibility that your products are sold through an e-commerce platform without you even knowing it, or at least without you directly supporting it. Maybe you are aware. And I would be looking and saying, how can we leverage this further? Number one, like though your dealer distributor likely probably has some form of e-commerce platform or also sells your products on Amazon. And I would be getting behind those businesses in such a big way. I think the other thing, and Zach, you said it, we have to say it every time we talk about e-commerce, which is channel conflict. And if 2020 has not changed the conversations and pressure you're getting about e-commerce and channel conflict, I think you have to flip the script and be like, let's all just be honest. Would you like to continue to sell our products? We would like you to continue to sell our products. (laughs) That means our products are going to have to be sold online. Now, there's some nuance that is obviously missing from that conversation about pricing and availability and lead times, and certainly there is conflict, but we've always leaned on the rising tides lift all ships, and if this isn't proof positive of that situation, I mean, I just don't don't know. I don't even know how to end that sentence because it just seems so transparent to me. I don't want to zoom over the nuance that has to go on there, but it feels clear. Yeah. Like e-commerce should benefit everybody. I think you guys are are hitting on a a huge highlight that we would completely agree with the ability to partner right now. Yes, exactly. To be a good partner. Yeah. Between manufacturers and suppliers. It's been strong for the last several years, but my gosh, is it never more critical than it is today. And I think Beth, you're right. Full transparency, not just with your customer, as Zach said, full transparency with your business partners. Yep. Right. They likely have the platforms to complete these transactions, to get the materials there. They need content. They need support. Just, just make sure that they have the right SKUs, the right descriptors, the right specs, that, you know, the right inventory levels, all that good stuff. So work together and, and everyone's going to win. I mean, Beth, to your point, you know, rising tide raises all ships. We're all benefiting right now, or at least we all can. Retail sales and home improvement are up, what, 15% thereabouts year over year. Q3 comps just came out for, for Lowe's, Depot, and Ace, and, and Q3, they killed it again. So 
this expectation of, oh, we're just going to have this little blip on the screen for three to six months because people are at home and they're bored and it's all going to come to a screeching halt and go away. It's not. It's not going no. away and it's not going to anytime soon. So the longer I think our, our manufacturers and suppliers wait to come together to figure this out together, the more opportunity they're going to miss out on. So I'm, I'm on board with where you guys are at. And, and Zach, I love that you brought up that this isn't about e-commerce. For us, this is about commerce. Mm, this is about exactly customer right. experience, yeah. and this is about sales. There is no online is here, in-store is here. It's all a part of one journey, and it's about reducing that friction. Zach, you've told us this and talked with our, our clients a number of times. It's about reducing friction. And we all just figured out a number of different things in our lives that can reduce friction. You think I'm going to go back to the old way? Not a chance, right? No, I'm too lazy. Anybody ever going to the grocery store ever again? No, I, <laughs> I got a delivery coming a day in three hours. So all good. That's exactly right. That's right. Karen, the last thing is online and media. And I think you've already touched on a number of you know topics here, but is there any stat or piece of data that you saw and said, you know, this is really interesting because it's very easy to go. People are buying more online. They're spending more time online. You should be online. Like, yes, thank you very much, of course. But like, is there anything that you saw that was surprising to you or to the people you've spoken to that you've shared this information when they go, you know what, that's really impactful information to know? Surprising to our firm, no. But what we found surprising to other clients that we do work for when we're, we're, we're creating some custom research to get deep into their customer, their brand, and their product. I would say there's two things, Zach. One is the relationship to in-store and online research capture prior to purchase. So we looked, as I said, across about 20 different categories and we plotted all of those categories. How much research did you do in-store before you bought that category? How much did you do online before you bought that category? And the online per- or the online research component is oftentimes two to three times the amount of research done compared to in-store. Hmm. So again, for us, this is a trend that we've been seeing happening for the last few years. It's just been accelerated like everything else with COVID. So I think it's a reminder to a lot of manufacturers. It's a reminder to a lot of suppliers that you know digital is critical when it comes to information capture. Hmm. And it's two to three times more important than going in-store. So when we understand that, we, we start realizing that in-store is almost validation or supplemental to what I've already captured before I even step foot in there, if I step foot in there. So that would be number one, is that relationships act. Number two is the hierarchy of what they're looking for online. And really, I would say anywhere. Historically, when we look about you know what types of information are you trying to capture when it comes to building product purchases, home improvement, lawn and garden, we'll see pricing information is always at the top. So that could be promotions, deals, whatever, just general price so I can do some comparison shopping. We'll see product information. So it could be specs, size, options, et cetera. And we'll see, you know, reviews. You know, I just want, I want to, I want to make sure that, that others in my situation got this and they liked it. What we saw jump up into the top two right now is information on availability. Oh, yeah, of course. So once yeah. again, even as we talk about media, we've talked about brand, we've talked about channel. Now we're talking about media and still this theme of availability is transcending across all areas of business and customer experience right now. So that was, I think, a very, very important learning because it shifts how we go to market. It shifts what we need to be talking about right now. That, that may change in two years. It should change in two years once we figure out supply chain a little bit better. But that one today 
has gained more attention and is more important than we've seen in the last five to 10 years. Beth, this makes me think of an example you gave in the workshop where like availability is something people don't want to talk about because they're like afraid. Like if I tell you what it's really is, you're not going to want to work with me. <laughs> like that's what people think. So let me just like, it's just cognitive dissonance. I don't even want to bring it up. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. What was the name of that brand? It wasn't even building products. What was it? Oh, we talked about, it's this, it's a couch, but it's like a couch that you can put into a bunch of different shapes. It's actually specifically made for kids to kind of use like a jungle gym. It's called the Nugget. And people, Grant had like a much more refined example. He talked about Peloton. It's like no, way fancier. But the Nugget, like people are, they're nuts about it. They're basically infamous for their lack of availability. They're, they're nuts infamous. about nuggets. They're nuts about nuggets. <laughs> but they do a lot of really smart things where they're incredibly transparent about it. If you go to their site and they don't have it, it's clear. There's no buy now button. There's a find out when it's available button. So you can si sign up to get information about when you can buy it. They're telling you what colors are available, slashing through colors, then when they're no longer available. It's really, really clever. And because they lean into the scarcity of their product, they've actually basically created a cult following. Instead of people being constantly annoyed that they're out of stock, it's actually the exact reverse where people, like they treat it like midnight is like Super Bowl tickets go on sale. They are on their computers, like frantically clicking by now, hoping that they can purchase it. They actually have a lotto. They have a lottery. That's how scarce it is. That's and so people cool. are trying to just get in the lottery. And if you're a manufacturer, how much do you love the fact that you've sold out your inventory before you even turned on the operations? They are selling out their inventory 100% of the time. It's so great. Yeah. So great. It's crazy. Grant, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show. If someone wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I would, I would go to thefarmswithgroup.com, contact me directly, contact any of my colleagues at the Farms Group directly. We are always happy to have conversations about what we're seeing and hearing, experiencing. Again, we live building products, home improvement, lawn and garden. I just want to reiterate that it's, it's important whether we're helping the client do it, Zach and Beth, or they're handling it internally. This is a critical, critical time to really dig deep into customer behaviors, dig deep into brand, dig deep into your specific category and your customer and your products because they all don't behave the same. What we talked about today, y'all, is, is a lot of kind of you know, broad, high-level trends that we're seeing, but there's going to be some subtle nuances. What we didn't discuss today is what we are seeing when it comes to Gen Y versus Boomer in some cases, high income versus low income. We didn't talk about the wealth gap and how that's impacting decision-making and, and purchase behaviors. We didn't talk about residential versus commercial, small firm versus large firm. So again, reach out to us at thefarmswithgroup.com, contact us directly, and, and we'll be happy to share our insights and then develop some programs and research around your needs to help drive your market strategy for 2021. That's great. Man, Grant, yeah, thank you so much again for coming on the show. And for our listeners, if you want more great content like this, go to vimeo.com slash podcast. Make sure you give us five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast Store if you have a chance. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams alongside Beth Pumpniklov. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.